0: Welcome back to another episode of the Candid Chronicles podcast where we get to talk about life unfiltered. I'm your host, Angela. If you're new here, it's a self podcast where we get to talk about life and just life-changing topics from mental health to friendships to relationships. Just life itself, as whole as it is. Everything wellness. And if this is the kind of content that you like or that you enjoy, a follow would be highly appreciated on whatever stream podcast streaming platform that you're listening to this podcast from and also please follow and turn on post notifications. it means a lot it it keeps me going honestly it's really going so last week we talked about trauma bonding and just a little recap of what we talked about we said that trauma bond relationships are an attachment that develops from a goal from a cycle sorry from a cycle of rather physical or emotional trauma and the people who are most susceptible to trauma bonding are people with rational and emotional trauma. It's mainly typically targeted by perpetrators in a trauma bond, either intentionally or otherwise. It can be common for abusers, for, uh, for the people who are in a trauma bond relationship, to seek out to seek out strong, driven, educated, and independent speakers so that they can make themselves feel superior when they finally break them down. So trauma bond relationships are mainly centered around people who want to be comfortable. Like, when you grow up, that environment that you grow up, you grew up in. If you grew up in a toxic house a house where there was no lover house, where you constantly had to fight for your own validation, you end up seeking or rather attracting such kind of people. And that's why I always say that you are what you attract. The kind of person that you attract, they're actually a mirror of who you are as a person. So if you attract, if you're an emotionally unavailable person... Chances are you will attract an emotionally unavailable person. Even if this person has an anxious attachment, that's where you find yourself. If you have an anxious attachment style and you end up attracting a partner who's unavoidant. Because you growing up, you grew up, the reason as to why you developed an anxious attachment style is because you lacked that sort of emotional validation from where you grew up as when you were a child. And you end up now seeking that and finding someone who is an avoidant someone who is like what you grew up in because in your mind mind you structure that that is comfortable and that's the kind of cycle and it becomes a cycle every time and that's why you always told that the people you attract are a pattern of who you are as a person a a pattern of how you grew you actually grew up and you either decide to break that cycle and decide to be healthy but that's not why we are here today so today we are going to discuss about the seven stages of trauma bonding yes they do come in seven stages and the first one we're going to touch on i'm not gonna touch like on all of them per se but i'm just gonna like touch on a few that i feel i personally need to talk about i'm gonna have like a part one and part two of this episode so i'm gonna discuss like maybe three or four in this episode and then the rest i'll just do them in Next week, episode, because it's quite a broad topic and I just, it's it's quite a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot and it's very deep and very depth because we are learning to. I'm also, this is something that I'm actually learning to break very slowly. And it's something, actually, my therapist is the who made me even start researching on this. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I should talk about this. You know, I, I should talk about because I've never really realized that there is always a pattern in what I attract. And I was looking at my past relationship and looking at my past situation and how my life is structured. I noticed that it's starting now to actually become a pattern. But anyway, let's move on to the stages of trauma bonding. Now the first stage of trauma bonding is love bombing. So the love bombing, it actually involves the sudden intense attempt to create a we in a relationship through high praise and flattery so it's well like i am flattering you i am trying to wow you i am showering you with all this love you know like those people who come at you and they give you a perception of safety a perception that they can listen to you a perception that that they can always show up for you they ask all the right questions it is actually love I now mean, i'm not saying that you should not ask those questions or everything so this dynamic it mainly occurs between a perpetrator and a victim of abuse now let's say the perpetrator is the one who's like always so intrigued and very invested in your in your conversations and what you have to say and how you articulate yourself and you the victim of abuse like you i am the one let's say i am the one who grew up in a family where no one listened to me and all of a sudden i start talking to this guy the banter is good like you're just chatting and everything is going according to plan he's so invested in the conversation so he creates a perception of safety towards you and maybe this person just knows that i have to communicate with this person i have to ask all the right questions to this person and sometimes in abusive situations the abuser may seem oblivious to their manipulation and however that's not typically the case like in a trauma bond like in a trauma bond love bombing can be certainly can certainly set the stage through like you allow the abuser to prey on the victim's emotions, deep hope, deep hopes and deep hopes, desires and dreams. Like they see what they can offer you. They know that they're at the table. They know that they're the press. They know that even if you go out there, you'll never find anyone. Like me. you'll never find anyone who listens to you more than me. You think so highly of yourself. You think that you're the only one who can uh, maybe satisfy this person. That you're the only one who can. Um, leave this person like you don't know who can satisfy this person you don't know who's there for that person each and every time and sometimes you may make the victim to let their guard down and trust you because you gave them something that they cannot see that that they have never even received as a child growing up that feeling of being had that feeling of being desired or maybe you meet someone who um you are so used to having so many purchase space. And then you meet someone who like respects your space, someone who's very distant, someone's like, you. okay, you do you do what you want. In Swahili, you don't want to be told in everything. You don't be Like you meet someone who gives you exactly what you wanted, even if that's not what you wanted. You get what I mean? Like, for example, I'm I, I'm a very anxious person. Like I get a lot of anxiety, especially if I'm meeting someone new and most of the times i live on constant reassurance like i need someone to tell me that yo i'm not perfect i'm not this i'm not that's what i'm going through and it's okay if you don't understand it's okay if you can't meet me where i am i will allow you to go i will allow you to to leave that level of reassurance or hey today i'm gonna be busy i might not be able to text you as often i might be able to call you as often i just need my own time in my own pace or maybe I'm feeling a bit of that kind of reassurance and then I meet someone who gives me that and then all of a sudden this person now stops giving me that so already the person had created a perception in my mind that this is how I am I am someone who can give you the world I'm someone who can give you this I'm someone who can give you this who can give you this that 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 so you see the person had already showered you or rather created a perception in your brain that stability that, that this person can provide because I personally lacked that as a child. I lacked someone to like constantly show up for me when I needed them. Such kind of perception. Now that's love bombing because the person used flattery, the person used um high praise, you know the person always acknowledges you as a very beautiful person. A person the person who yani, even start singing Hosanna to yourself and it's just a way to just bring you, and when they have that, when they have that level of control in you, you end up now being trapped, open quote, close quote, in them. And that's how love bombing works. Now the second one is trust and dependency. So in this stage, the abuser may purposefully test the victim's trust and dependency on them, and how they do this is like making you feel guilty. For example, let's say I address something like I address an issue. You're always late. You're always this. You're always that. And then, anytime I'm addressing something, you're always circling to the same answer. You're always circling to the same excuse. You know, it's not even my fault. It is this. It is that. It is that. You know, and you tend to create doubt in that relationship because, especially, this is mostly common between an anxious and an avoidant person. You know, for an avoidant. They don't love speaking so much. For an anxious person, they are—they walk into something when they're very unsure of it. Like, okay, I like this guy, but I'm so unsure. Does this guy want me? Does this guy not want me? And for avoidance, like, they like—they may want you. They may even want to be with you at that specific time, but they just don't know how to bring it out there. And most of the times, you may find them doing something or rather saying some things to you it looks like gaslighting to them it's just like that's how they defend themselves they defend themselves by not making themselves look the victim rather they have to bring you down rather they have to make that mistake reverse the mistake to you okay so when the, when you're confronting the abuser at this stage you may get a flack or for discounting all they have done for you which is why at the love bombing stage they had already trapped you you know, they had already made you now feel that you have to depend on them, that there is nothing they can do. They have already given you that charity that you can depend on them, that you can be with them, that you can, they can be there for you. They can support you. They will do anything for you. But, and after they have done that, they have now built that trust and dependency and you know, such that when you do any, when you make any mistake, they put the blame on you. Or rather, when they make any mistake, sorry, when they make any mistake, they reverse it and make it seem as if you are the reason why they act like that. You are the reason why they don't communicate as often as they used to. They shift the mistake to them. And maybe you're addressing something. And that's why let's say like I personally believe it's easier for you to communicate to be understood rather than to be heard. Like acknowledge your feelings, acknowledge that you're hurt acknowledge that your actions have made me hurt and me telling you that like I can tell you that I maybe I don't like it how you, I don't like how you communicate to me or I don't like how you treat me how you're suddenly treating me if you don't see this as a priority if you don't see me as a priority rather let me know and let me know and if you feel like you need to give me a reason give me a reason as to why you don't see me as a priority and I'll be free to walk out if this is something that we can sit, talk about and deal with it right here or if we can't deal with it on our own, we can consult, we can have a third party we can sit and go and talk to someone if you're open to that and you're like actually talking to someone, especially in in a relationship with someone going and consulting, like having a third party kind of gives the perception that you guys have failed that really it is what it is you have okay technically you have not failed because you're trying now to take the next step but in real sense you have failed in real sense you have failed in that relationship or in that friendship like let me give an example so my mom and I have a very on again off again relationship like a relationship is just it's not like the perfect one it's not like Actually, I, I I tell my mom everything. Actually, I don't. The first person that I'll tell everything, and if I say everything, I mean everything. It's my dad, and if I need like a female um, perspective, I'll tell my sister. She'll be the first person to know. And so my mom, my mom's relationship and I is, uh, you know, it's uh it's there. It's it's not it's not perfect like. Atiko, we are the ideal mommy-daughter relationship, and we are not even that bad. Like, I hate. I don't even want to see. Okay, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't want to see some because that's how I deal with myself. I tend to distance myself from people. If I know that we are going to argue, if I know that this is not healthy, um, I just distance myself from you. I just don't want to see you. I don't even want to be associated with you. So our relationship is not perfect like and that's what i always say here it is not perfect and it doesn't mean that she has failed as a mom it doesn't mean that i have failed as a daughter to her but how we view life or rather how i view life and how she views certain aspects in life is different like there are some things that she can see that i can't see because i'm young and she has lived longer than me but there's things that i can see that she can't see because at the same place, like, I'm also young, but there's always a better way to do something, especially in, we come from very different generations. My mom is a boomer, I'm a Gen Z. How we think, how we deal with issues, boomers are more like, we have to make it work. We have, there is no other option. They live in this cyclic nature. By this age, you have to be married. By this age, this has to be happening. Like, they, they put various timelines when it comes to milestones. But for Gen Z, it's more like... I, it is what it is. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I've tried my best, let me fail. If I fail, it's okay, I'll pick myself up. But for boomers, like our uh, families' generation, our parents' generation, it's more of like, if you've failed, you're a failure. There is no way you can ever pick yourself up again. And it kind of creeps in their mind because they were conditioned to never fail. They were conditioned that you always have to be perfect, that you always have to Finish school, get the perfect job, get this, get that. And if you look at your parents' age and they were our age, during that time, by the time you're like my age, you should have already moved out of your house. But in this day and age, people like even reach thirties when they're in their parents' house and it's life. They still go on with their life. You're in you're in your thirties, you're making your money, but you're in your parents' house. But during our parents' time, that was different. It was different in the sense that they had to move on with their timelines, with their timelines. And for us, we don't have that. For us, we have different perceptions of success. How I define success is different from how someone else in another household would define success. So that's why we may have different views on how we view, how I view certain things and how she views certain things. And a relation, like going back now to a relationship, that creates a very big scaffold because a different generations, b different perceptions of life, because there are some things that she knows that I don't know, I know that she doesn't know or she can't see from my point of view, and so it's it creates that rift and it creates that difference between us, but it doesn't mean that we have failed completely. And does it scare me that I'm going to take that into my next relationship, even if we are in the, because most probably I'll either be, I might end up with someone who's still a Gen Z, you know? And we may share the same perceptions in life, but again, remember different household. We come from different places, we come from different backgrounds. How he was raised would be how I was raised, you know? And even if it's similar, like how he experienced his life won't be how I experienced my life. And I may be, we may have an argument with my partner at that time, and they start operating from a point of fear because anytime that me and my mom would argue, she would always try and demean my opinions. So growing up, I would have this perception, and I was even telling my therapist the other day that. I will have this perception that my opinions don't matter, or like what I have to say, or rather what I will have to put out there, it really doesn't matter, and it's really created like a lot of self-sabotage, even in my own career, even, and a very big, like it's really contributed so hugely to my imposter syndrome. Like I'll feel I would be in big rooms, or I would be, I would enter a place where I know that I deserve to be in that room, because. Either worked, I worked, I worked hard for it, or someone saw me, believed in me, saw my ability, and knew that I was capable of doing what I was doing. But at the back of my mind, I know that I'm not worthy to be there, and I would operate from a point of fear because I was so used to being demeaned. Like my opinions literally don't matter. Because and when I was growing up, my parents gave me that perception of. You know, we are here for you if you need anything. And for them, the essence of being, we are here for you was if you need anything to be provided for you, we are here. Like, I, I say this, and I'm not saying this um, as a form of bragging or anything of that sort. It's not bragging. It's not coming from a point of, oh my God, it's so rich. No, it's not coming from a point of that. It's coming from the sense of they made sure that we as a family never lacked anything my own sister my own mom my own dad they made sure that we didn't lack anything you want this provided for you here because for them growing up they never lacked they lacked some. and if you know they listen to your parents story it was more they lacked um either food or they lacked um uh, that is they slept hungry that is they thing they for like a very long time without their essentials some will even go to school without shoes and that aspect of them growing up they decided that they are going to give their children the best the best that they can and in the expense of giving their children the best they end up not having enough time to spend to spend time with you like for me, I can't tell you like at face-to-face that I have a memory of us spending time together. Cause either I'm in boarding school, I am away, and if I'm back home, I'm back there for like three months. Again, your parents are busy, busy schedules. and if you've grown up, if you've grown up with parents of being in the corporate side for long, you know how demanding the corporate side is. The corporate market is, you work long hours, and the pay is good. The pay is good, but at what expense? So you end up now lacking that like wishing that you had time for your parents Uh, you wishing you, you you grow up wishing that your parents would create more time for you they would have more time to spend with you they would always treasure the connections that they had with you but and you lack that so you end up seeking that in someone else you end up feeling like you're demanding for time and at that time you don't even notice that you're demanding for time because you end up like meeting someone who gave you a perception like i said the love forming. they gave you a perception that they will be all they'll always be there for you they'll always show up for you and it's not their fault it's not their fault that you're acting that way. it's actually your fault okay it, it is their fault in some point because they brought out that version of you that you are not that you didn't know you had you actually had but you didn't know that you had that passion in you and that's how trauma born and that's how that cycle works the trust and dependency and the love bombing that's just how it works because first you are given this perception that I can be what you lacked in that childhood and now I need you to trust and depend on me and as human beings, are condition at the moment you trust someone, there is a level of safety when you're with that person there's that level of I feel safe in you, like I can confide in you if you have an issue. And especially if you're someone who's afraid, someone like me, like, I'm always afraid of losing people in my life because I experience. I've ever experienced loss in my life. Okay. I've experienced two losses in my life, but the first one didn't hurt me enough because it was my grandmother and I had a chance to say goodbye to her because I remember any time that I would leave school. So she passed away in 2007, and I was still in day school. So my mom would pick me up, and then we'd go and visit my grandmother. So any time that I had time to go and visit her, we did. And I had a chance to say goodbye to her. So her death didn't affect me so much. Besides, I was young. Me, I was just like, let's just go. We're going to eat rice. you are going to eat. I remember I was telling my mom, my mom is mourning the loss of her mom. I, oh my god i'm such an insensitive woman okay at that time i was I, I i was just i just a baby during that time i was just a baby but i remember telling my mom that you're going to eat rice you're going to eat choba, we're going to eat biazi. because at the back of my mind i'm like i already said goodbye i feel and okay i'm total how she can sana like oh got two apple oh, got two. you're only really just there for the and inshallah but in 2018 when i lost my aunt i didn't say goodbye and you know like in 2018 at least your brain had matured. like you can now be able to understand your surroundings can be able to know to like regulate or identify what you're feeling you know, when you're a child if you feel this you cry if you feel hungry you cry if you're happy that's when you smile like that's the only thing that you are taught but as you grow older, you learn to navigate like the various emotions that happen in your mind. If you're angry, this is how you react, whether it's the right way or not. Like You're taught now how to react. Whether it's the best way or it's not the best way. You react based on what you, you saw other people doing as you are growing up. And so, when I lost my aunt, I didn't have a chance to say goodbye to her because I knew at the back of it was so abrupt. It's something that you are never expecting. You know like how they say that as much as they always say that death is inevitable, that is something that I never expected. And so it gave me that fear that I of constant like I, I'm always afraid of losing people. And I always it gave me that like kind of that wake up call that now you have to treasure the connections that you have with people. And it made me hold on to things that I know are not that I knew were not worth holding on to because it's through that that i actually even ended up in a very toxic relationship because i remember after the the death of my aunt my partner at that time that's when i met my partner at that time and we were mutual okay we shared mutual friends so i'm like cool cool and then we started like enjoying our company where our friends are not around like we will just go by the basketball pitch, just we would smoke with and then we'd become baked like you were baked way let me tell you, Melagoose is weed. It's it. And the other funny she weed. Um but it, it was just time, it was just time. Don't tell me that when you're in high school you didn't do weed. You can't go and like get somebody else to do it. Just lie. Lie to someone else and not me. And so we just ended up dating and it was a, a very nice and healthy but like I was young. I don't know what I was doing getting into a relationship when I was still like Anyway, we moved regardless, but I ended up being with the person for 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, actually, 2021, four years. Yeah, Uh, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, yeah, four years. Because we didn't like a a year later. I met the guy in 2018, and we actually, a friend introduced us, of which we are not even friends anymore. We like. Really talk this, it this just like a hi, hey, you're good, you're fine, good vibes. We just go on with lives, and I think I changed my number from COVID time. Your COVID, I changed my number, and so I think we just lost contact of each other. But if I would bump into them into the streets, we just like, cool. But it, it was okay, it was nice, but I came to realize that it was not healthy for me and it's not healthy in the sense that I read that he was toxic very violent or anything our arguments are not healthy our ag- I was basing my arguments out of fear like anytime I would argue with this person it's from a point of fear I fear that this person would leave me that either I'm not good enough for this person either my opinions don't matter enough from this person and you can see how that goes out uh, then how where that comes from, from how I was as a how I was raised as a child, and so he would always try and like, kind of, trap me in that sense of, I will always be here for you, and when he wasn't there or he wasn't present and started now becoming distant and everything, I felt like this is my child, like I am reliving, literally reliving my childhood all over again and my therapist was like have you ever considered like maybe you were in a trauma bond relationship and when i was like i started doing this research and she was like explaining to me she gave me a quiz like i just described my childhood and how it was and i did that like i just wrote it i took my notebook and then i wrote and i wrote and i wrote and, I wrote. and as you write i'm like living those moments, and i'm like ah ah, okay mm, okay so and in the second session she's like, Now nah, I want you to start now research. Actually she's done things bad this episode heavily. Eh, Nawalia. Nawalia does an amazing job. Because I remember even after the breakup, it wasn't like hurting. You know, like Atile, like you're crying, men are trash, men are this. And actually then thank God that I was given a perception like a, a good perception of men in my life because my dad is one person who I look up to. The the woman that I am, I I will always attribute that to my dad. Because there's a lot that I learned from him. There's a lot that he has, a lot of values that he has instilled in me. And I'm not saying that my mom has not instilled values. She has. Hey, my mom has taught me, if you if you have to talk, you talk. You go that talk. Because if I pile it up and I pile it up and I pile it up, the moment i am going to release it eh, you will cry you will cry you son of syllable you will cry your self-esteem is going to go down completely and trying to like list that out and like trying to like break from that circle i've also not broken out from it effectively because i only see myself whenever i'm having an argument either with a friend or with my mom or with anyone in my life like any person who has ever walked into my life and we have an argument it's always from a point of fear and the now ends up gaslighting you tries and gives you an excuse you know like gaslighting is trying to give this person is trying to give you an excuse of why they did that or why they behaved like that you know and they try to tell you that they're like kind of trying to pinpoint the mistake on you that now that's gaslighting we're going to talk about that on the next episode and i think this is my cue to leave and just wish you guys an amazing week and have an amazing life and don't forget to follow please please do follow this episode because this this podcast if you can keep on moving eh? we, have, we have to grow as people so it's not so sel- don't be selfish follow this podcast and i'll catch you guys on the next episode